0: Well, we're going to be in 1st John chapter four today. We're um, starting this new series and maybe I can get a couple of uh, volunteers to distribute Bibles. If you don't already have a Bible, uh, just give a wave as they walk down the aisles. They'll make one available to you. We're going to be on page seven, six, five of that red church Bible, page seven, six, five. And, um, and happy Mother's Day, moms. So, I did not do anything special for the mother of my children this morning, but I came home yesterday. So, there's a cool place in Manila called the Pearl Market, and you can buy nice little bits of jewelry there. So, are you wearing those earrings? Oh, she is. Okay. There's a word. uh, that in, in our language, in our culture, that might be the most significant word, the word love. Who, who could count the number of, I mean, Google might be able to, but none of us could count the number of songs and poems and sermons that have been written and sung about love. I bet you right now, this moment, if I allowed you to, you could think of a, of a, of a love song. Like, something other than what's love got to do with it. Like, Jesus me. yes. Any other songs? Any of you couples, you have like kind of our song. No greater, love. no greater love. The love of God. Yeah, we're going to sing that later. How about like, like... um I don't know. Songs you see here on the radio all the time, aren't they? Greater Love by Howard Jones. By who? Howard Jones. Howard Jones. There you go. I was thinking I would just have you, like, each sing a line of your favorite love song. (laughs) I don't know. Remind me, next time we do something like this, we'll have the worship team do, like, a little love song montage, right? (laughs) I can't help falling in love with you. All right, right, let's go back to the sermon. (laughs) I think there's no other single word that's intended to describe and define the Christian than the word love. And unfortunately, we don't always hit the mark. Even unbelievers, even those outside of the church, intuitively know that Christians are to be loving. Loving. And they're quick to point it out when we're not or when they perceive that we're not. And I think it's perhaps an unfair and judgmental expectation of perfection. And uh, some misinformation, well, if you were really loving, then you would be like such and such. But that is the perception. And when fundamentalist groups like Westboro Baptist get in the media, it doesn't help the cause but you ask most adults, ask any adult, and they're going to talk, probably talk in terms talk about love in terms of feelings, how I feel. There's a there's sort of this emotional attachment about love. And and so that when the feeling of love is gone, we say there's no there's no love. There's no more love. Right. And there's lots of love songs about that, too, about not being in love. And um, it's, that is also a misunderstanding about love, because real love is not simply a feeling. The, the world's ideas about love is pretty self-centered, how it makes me feel, what you do for me, how you serve me, how, how you, you know, um, the you complete me concept of love that. That's really not a a complete picture of of love at all. Love is, first of all, an action. It's active. It's something you do before the feeling. So if if love is so important and so fundamental, if it's kind of one of the key words of our faith, it's, it's essential to our Christian witness, but it's defined in so many different ways, right? Because you could... You could love God, but you could also love pizza. And it's kind of not the same thing. All right. So, well, what is the Bible? What does God's word have to say about love? We're going to read first John chapter four. This is a passage I sometimes use when I when I lead a marriage ceremony. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. First John chapter four, picking it up at verse Seven. This is uh, this gospel, this letter, I should say, is is written by one of Jesus' closest disciples, the Apostle John. John was the one who clearly understood better than any other the love of Jesus. He referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, not the not the disciple whom Jesus loved the most. He was not presumptuous in that way, but the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had a good sense of that. He writes this verse seven. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And send a son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression through us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Verse 14, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Verse 17, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment because we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Or as another translation says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced this perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. And if someone says, I love God but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people whom we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And He has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord, for Your Word. Let's be seated together. Um, This is one of those... um, Tongue-twisty back and forth passages that John loves to write. He, he is, that's his kind of his style. And so it's a little like, whoa! What did we just read there? There was a lot of love and living and understanding. What is he saying about love? You know, fundamentally that God is love, and therefore we too can love. It's exciting for me at least, to realize that Bethany Church will continue to heal and will grow and bring the saving gospel of Jesus Christ to our neighborhoods when we are a tangible, face-to-face, authentic, transparent, genuine expression of God. And God is love, so we must love. That's our missional mandate. Loving one another. And loving others. And you and me in our in our own lives. We can expect to grow spiritually, to mature spiritually. Right. When we are both receiving and giving out God's love. Yeah. But how how do you do that? I mean. How do we make known God who by his very essence. Right. He he is actually love. That's. That's his you know defining quality. how do we how do we make that known? How do we see people encounter God's love and be saved? Now, mind you, the church can't save anyone. The church can't even love anyone that's the church as an institution that is institutions can't love or those things but people can and and, and you are the church the individual you and me we're we're it we're the church and we're the ones called to love and we're the ones that can do that and as we do that people are saved because only people can love people and only people can reach people and so the institution of the church is is a means for us to help one another to equip one another and to be a place that welcomes those seeking to know God's love. Building on what John writes here, let me suggest three big ways to let the love of God known. Be known to the world around us, through us and in us. Look back there at verses nine and ten again. He says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so we'd have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Did you know there's a cost to love? There's a cost to love. And the challenge for us is to be willing to pay the price of love. Be willing to pay the price of love. See, real love cannot be earned or cannot be purchased. If you ever hear something like, well, if you love me, you'll do such and such. Right? If, 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 if mom says, if you love me, you'll take out the trash. That's not real love. That's manipulation. And it. And it usually works, right? But that's not real love. That's conditional love. If you love me, then you will. That's not, that's not love. See, love has a price, but the recipient doesn't pay the cost of love. The lover, the, the person giving the love, pays the price. Do you understand that? So if love has a cost, who pays it? It's the person extending it. Not the person receiving it. You can't earn love. You can't buy love. It doesn't work that way. If that is, then that's it might be affection. It might be attention, but it's not love. Think think about, th- about it this way on on this Mother's Day. Right. When a child comes into the world, whether by birth or by adoption, comes into the family. Right. Mom and dad just love that baby. No questions asked. And and. Really, no one is tallying up, at least they wouldn't admit that they are. They're not tallying up the cost of the diapers and the, you know, and the car seat and the cute little onesies that the baby wears, all those things. Why? Because the love of the parents flow toward that child freely and they provide as best as they can. We saw this again in the last couple of weeks and in, in honestly, in some of the most desperate conditions of poverty. That even there, even when things were desperately poor, parents are doing all they can to care for their children. They love their children. That's a that's a universal reality. When they're good parents, I mean that's what's normal. And if you didn't receive much of that love as a child, or or if you're unable to give that love to your own children or people around, we would say that is then dysfunctional. That's a non-functioning healthy relationship. And so, you know, if that's you or, if, or if, you know, something you experienced or, you know, if even if you say Mother's Day is painful because you say, man, my, my mother was not much of a mother, you know, you're going to need to experience some healing so you can thrive and flourish in your life. And then it carries on through childhood and adolescence as parents walk that that tightrope between providing for their children and spoiling them rotten, right? they're always paying the price of love now naturally we're talking about far more than than material provision i mean what about your mom's sleepless nights when you were sick as a child right what what about what about those high stress science fair projects she helped you finish or did for you basically and you put your name on it right what about the the joys and the heartbreaks of of exams and romances and college applications. She was there for you, all that. If you can say mom loved you through those times, awesome. But know that she paid a price to do that. There's always an active sacrifice in real, true love. Now, if I expect to represent my Lord Jesus to anyone, it's going to happen by love. First, by freely receiving God's love and then and then paying the price to give it away. It's like the old saying, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I've heard that before. God demonstrated the. The, 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 the essence of love, that, that kind of the nugget, the kernel of love is sacrifice. Sacrificing self. He who least deserved to suffer suffered the most in order to love you and me. Isn't that remarkable Jesus who did not deserve to suffer went through the worst of it. So whether in marriage or in friendship or worship true love is sacrifice it always is. And it's love with no strings attached, no conditions. You know if there's a if there's an I love you but it's not quite love, right? Not, not, not really. I, I love you, but I wish you would do this more. I, I love you, but you can you can try better. I, I love you, but that that's the kind of love that that leaves scars, instead of creating connection. Real love says, "I love you," and I I, I love you, and I and I I have this need, or I love you. And, and I want to help you in this way. I love you, and I'm. I'm. Here's what I'm willing to to do in our relationship. Creating some good, healthy boundaries when necessary. But it's it's love that that does not have grudges and does not keep score of wrongdoing. It's costly, and I wonder if you and I are willing to pay the price of love. So that God's Love can be made known to others. Another way we can demonstrate the life-changing love of God is, is this, to reject fear and to receive love. Look at verse 16. Jump down there with me. He says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And then verse 18, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. And if we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. What do you fear? Think about it for a minute. What do you fear? What, where are you afraid? I think there's some struggle for all of us. But where there's fear, there's no love. This last week, I was uh, I was alone a couple times after. So the way where our, our time and we're, we're going to give you a report next week. But um, Matt and Ken and, and I and along with Galen Wiest from MB Mission, were um, mostly in a northern city called Baguio City. And then we came back to Manila. We did a had a ministry day in, in Manila on Wednesday, Thursday, they came home so they could get back to their office before the end of the week. And I stayed through to Saturday seeking out some more future ministry stuff for us. And um, so I had a couple of days of navigating the city on my own and um, which meant I got to ride the, the transit rail a few times. And this is a this is a picture of a non crowded transit. This is the this is the good one. Um, it's pretty fun, actually. Uh, you remember me talking about my my love language being touched, you know, so you get lots of that when you're in a crowded <laughs> transit rail. And uh, I had been warned a number of times about pickpockets in Manila. Filipinos warned me, "Oh, you got to really got to watch out for the pickpockets. They're everywhere." And that's a reality that can easily induce a lot of fear, right? Because I'm carrying my passport, and my phone, and my wallet—three traveling essentials. You cannot be without those three things when you travel. And uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, gripping onto those things pretty tightly. And and what's happened is I've now been conditioned to be afraid. I've been told, watch out, there's pickpockets everywhere. And so now I'm fearing others. And yet God calls me to love my neighbor. So is it possible to love my neighbor and to fear them at the same time? No. You can't do both. So, um, So there I am. Let's go to the next picture there. I'm in the city of 20 million people or whatever it is. Um, I think we read or heard somewhere it's the most densely populated city in the world. Um, And I chose to trust God. I chose to be wise and cautious, of course, but not to be fearful. I chose to to look at the people all smushed up against me and and literally smushed up against me skin to skin uh, inside a crowded train. There are those moments you think. Don't get claustrophobic. Don't think about it because you can't get out. And and I chose instead to look at people not as potential pickpockets, but as people loved by God, created in his image, worthy of his love. And if we're going to love, we've got to reject fear. John tells us in verse 18 here that that perfect love drives out fear, it expels fear, and that when we're fearful, it's for a fear of punishment. Now, some of us, for example, lived with some kind of discipline or retribution or perpetual obligation hanging over our heads as kids. And so now we struggle to trust that in Christ And we sang from Romans chapter eight this morning, nothing can separate us. The beginning of Romans eight says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's been lifted. It's been taken away. There's no there's no more judgment. There's no more punishment. It's been resolved at the cross because of Jesus Christ. Sacrifice blood. But maybe you've, you've lived with that and now you're having a really hard time accepting that you're really free in Christ. Some of us intentionally or unintentionally, I should say, even took that fear that we got from our parents and we passed it on to our own kids or we passed it on to our employees or our, or our friends. And we always hold the threat of, of an angry outburst or some punishment so that they fear us and then comply with our demands. That just means we're operating out of fear instead of love. And John invites us to receive, first of all, God's love so we can then love others. Verse 19, we love because he loved first. This was God's idea. He started it. I wonder what your fear might be. Where are you afraid? Where is your struggle with fear? Maybe like me it's a it's a fear of failure or a fear of you know not not measuring up or a fear of letting other people down or being exposed for your faults. Maybe your you know your fears and anxieties, they could come from all kinds of places. Parents that you could never please or schoolyard rejection or perhaps abuse or neglect. Maybe your fears are a result of hidden sins or hurts or habits. And, of course, from the devil himself. And you hold that in and you try not to let it be known that, that you have some, some real fears about what's happening in your life. Fears about how to interact with people. Fears how to, how to relate to your siblings or your, or your parents or children or co-workers or friends or neighbors. And any time there's, there's fear, we're not fully experiencing the love of God. Remember that love drives out fear. And I, my question is, would you reject fear and receive God's love instead? Because fear and love cannot coexist. They, they, don't, they don't get along. God's love drives out fear and He wants to set you free. I, I would just go so far as to say that, you know, if there's some places of, that you need some healing on the inside if there's some things that, that you feel like you just know kind of hold you back, um, ask for some help. Let's, let's meet and talk together and see if we can get you, get you pointed in the right direction to really come to understand your identity in Christ, deeply loved by Him. I think as you get a hold of this truth, you're going to grow spiritually and our church is going to grow, too, because we can't love when we're afraid or we're afraid of people or if we're afraid of change, we're afraid of the culture, or if we're afraid of the world. That's going to keep us from maturing and as individuals and as in the church, let's reject fear and receive God's great love. I Let mean, let's talk about one more way that John is dealing here with with helping us replicate God's love. Help us get honest. We could say it this way. We're going to see it in verses 20 and and following. Drop your masks. Drop your masks. Look at verse 20 and 21 with me. John writes, If someone says I love God but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their brothers and sisters. Or jump back with me to the end of... End of chapter 3. End of chapter 3 at, at verse 23. John writes this. And this is, this is his, speaking about, about God. This is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. I don't know if you um, participated in Halloween as a child, but if you did, as as did I, um, don't worry, it wasn't anything crazy, but maybe you remember as a kid wearing a mask, you know, that plastic mask, with a little rubber band strap around the back that didn't last very long, but sure made your face sweat, you can barely breathe because there's one little slit in the lips there. Right. You're just trying to look like Superman or Michael Jackson or I don't know. You didn't fool anyone. Really, you didn't. But you perhaps were able to hide your identity. No one came to the no one saw you come to the door and said, Michael Jackson's at the door. Right. They said, And what are you supposed to be? Now it did hide your identity for that limited period of time. And from an early age, we learned to wear masks. We learned pretty early that, that good, loving relationships are really hard work. And so when we experience some rejection or even disagreement or conflict, it's just easier to put a mask on and pretend like everything's fine rather than really learning to love one another, really learning to, to push through and do the hard work of restoring relationship. But well, we're not fooling anyone, or at least not everyone, and certainly not God. John is addressing our tendency here to be fake. To act like all is well, but inside we're angry or we're hateful toward a Christian brother or sister. And the mask might be a smile or it might be, you know, hard work at church or, or it might be consistent church attendance or, or, or something. And, and, and sometimes all looks good on the outside but inside we're hurting and we're lost and we're confused and we're we our hearts getting harder and 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 you know what we say sometimes the the harder the shell the softer the egg we're just we're just all jiggly inside and, but we have that good strong tough exterior and john is urging us here to be honest in our relationships drop the masks is what he's saying the believer who's experienced Reconciliation with God cannot, John says, rightfully continue in brokenness, cannot rightfully continue to despise a brother or sister in Christ. And I know there's, there's a whole, this is a huge subject. We could talk about boundaries when there's been a hurtful, when someone who is who's continually hurtful towards you, and you might need some healthy boundaries so that you don't continue to put yourself in that place of hurt. But when we are despising somebody, That's not love. God's John is saying the love of God gets you beyond that. Loving one another isn't just an option. Or it's not just, hey, make it your goal. It's not just like a worthy goal to love. It's a command. And love is always, always love is always. An active choice of the will, a deliberate decision. If you just say, well, I don't feel much love for that person. Right. That's not really what love's about. It's an active choice of the the will to pay the price of love, which may well include that sacrifice of forgiveness, releasing someone the debt that they owe you, whether or not they realize it. To reject fear, to be real and to be honest. And Jesus promised that our love for one another would be the distinguishing mark of the believing community. And the really, really good news is that we love because Jesus loved first. You might even say, well I, I really can't do this love thing, Brian. It's it's too painful, it's too broken, it's too hard. Maybe you're thinking about a particular relationship, maybe your spouse, your parent, your child, your coworker and a former friend, and you say, no, it's too broken, and I would agree. You cannot do this. You do not have the capacity to love until you have really received the love of God yourself. In your own flesh, you you're going to be you're going to fall short. Christ in you can. But that's the good news. We love because He first loved. He started it. He initiates it. He pours it into your life if you'll receive it. And my question is, you know, will you pay the price to love one another and to love others? Can you reject fear and receive God's love? Can you can you learn to be real? Drop the mask to be the real you who is a loved child of God. When you're in Jesus, your identity is different. It changes. You're not who you were. I'm going to invite Kurt and the worship team to come back. I think we've got one more song we're going to sing together. Are we singing the love of God? That's great or far, that one? This really is one of my favorite old songs. That author is desperately trying to communicate just how vast the love of God is. There's a line in this song. I don't know if it's in verse one or two. He says, the guilty pair bound down with care. God sent his son to win, to save his erring child. He reconciled and pardoned from his sin. That's, that's a reference to Jesus on the cross. And there were two criminals that were crucified with Jesus. One is mocking Jesus and one says, hey, we deserve to be here. He doesn't. Jesus, will you remember me? And that's that's the one that Jesus saves, the one who's repented. And um, that's how big God's love is, that no matter, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been, His love can take all of that and wipe the slate clean and make you a new person and empower you to live a new life. So the person in you that was dead, he buries and gives you new life in his place. That's the, that's the good news message. And maybe that's something you want to experience today. I'm going to invite you to, to stand as we pray. It's probably not what you're expecting to hear on Mother's Day. I was supposed to preach from Proverbs 31 and talk about these amazing women in our lives. And they are. What I really want you to know is God loves you. He loved you first. And he's longing for you to, to yield yourself, to reject your fear, just to receive his love. You become a person who's real and authentic. Warts and all. None of us are perfect. But you are loved perfectly by your heavenly father. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this reminder today that you are love. And you want to pour your love into us in full expression so that we can love others. God, would you stir in us the willingness and desire to pay the price of love, to to be able to love one another and demonstrate your great love to the world around us? God, I ask for that courage to, to become real, to find those safe places that we can even begin to do that. To stop pretending like everything's fine when it's not. And to do the hard work of, of making things right. Oh, God, I thank You for Your unending, unconditional, no-strings-attached love for us. Help us to receive that. And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to add one more thing. Maybe, you're, maybe you've, whether or not you've been in church for a long time, you have never quite known what it means to, to, to yield your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to give you that opportunity. As we're singing, you could just, and even now, you could just pray a simple prayer. You would just say something like, Jesus, I know you're the Son of God. I trust you. Please forgive me please fill me with your love and let me walk with you all my days. And if you, if that's you, if that's the expression of your heart, I would just urge you to tell someone, talk to somebody in the prayer room where you come talk to me afterwards. The Bible says that, that it's by confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead that we're saved. It's this combination of, of what happens inside with our faith, but also what we speak out where we confess and we verbally put our, our trust, our faith in Jesus Christ to save you. And if that's you today, I encourage you, just urge you to find someone to talk to. Say, I want to do that. I want to cross this line of faith and give my life to Jesus. And Lord, for the rest of us, as we're, we're coming to grips with receiving your love, I ask that you just make that a reality in all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen.